The NFL draft has come and gone. How does it affect your fantasy football teams here in 2023? We tell you all this and more on tonight's In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check your stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the jet sweet, sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like AC never replay. So I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do. I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line. Just one thing to say, yeah, what they don't know. Something they haven't seen. I'm off that mean Joe Green. It's got me fading between. Yeah, I got it. And I got it. The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, it is May 2nd, 2023. The In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast is back here with you. Congratulations to the NFL and the 259 men whose dreams came true this weekend. Kansas City looked awesome. Shout out to them for hosting a great NFL draft. We're going to chat all about it tonight and how it affects our redraft and dynasty fantasy football teams. I am Seth Wilcock. I am joined by an FSA WA nominated analyst, Scott Rainier, my faithful co-host. And we're also joined by a man in the building who starred in Blossom and appeared in The Dark Knight, among other things, which I claim to be the best Batman franchise. Recently watched the new one. It was all right. It was all right. But it wasn't it wasn't The Dark Knight. Um, but the you know. new one is good, but I do appreciate it. I also love a start in and then appeared in like there's a little slide there, but still, I mean, it's, it's dark night. So like, I'll take it. I'll say I would have done props for that move. I would have done craft service, which is like, <laughs> like a bowl of Snickers and Doritos that they put out for like in cakes and stuff. But yeah, no pleasure to be here as always. Guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you uh, sh- sharing your uh, comedy with us tonight, your talent and your fancy football knowledge. How are things for you over in Mike Stoyanov land? Pretty good. And it's going to be mostly comedy tonight because as I was saying before the show, like I feel comfortable like when the season's rolling and like who's injured, who's start, who's sit, like who's trending. But this stuff, you guys are, I feel like I, I sit at your feet. I kneel at your feet. I'm going to be I'm here to listen tonight and to try and not say too many stupid things. But uh, beyond that, it's great. It's great to be back in New York. I've spent a lot of time in L.A. this winter and then the previous fall. So, like, I'm, I'm here for a stretch now and I'm excited to to, to bring uh, my, my, my Mike Stoyanoff land to uh, to the five boroughs. Let's go. Let's go. Scott, how are you, how are you doing tonight here uh, on the opposite coast? But still uh, all as cheery as I can assume. Yeah, man, it's we had a stretch of some summer weather over the weekend, spent all day in it on Saturday. So that was a lot of fun. Um, my Seahawks, that's two straight drafts where they didn't do anything Ooh. really dumb. Yes, yes, um, sir. Yes, they've sir. just kind yeah. of been doing smart drafting instead of like taking flyers on athletic linebackers too early and the Malik McDowell's and Aaron Curry's of the world. So excited about that. And 
you know, I mean, the off season nowadays with doing all this, it's just as fun as the regular season. And I, we're in the next phase of it. It's, it's great. Yes. Yeah. This is, I mean, we've been projecting, we've been speculating and it all came to fruition on a Thursday, Friday and Saturday night in Kansas city. We're going to talk about all that tonight. Want to welcome in the in-between media family. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, easiest way to support us here, give this video a thumbs up. And if you are new to the channel, uh, please feel free to hit that subscribe button as well. We got content rolling all off season long, uh, between here and our website, just have had a fresh redesign for the people out there as well. So the website's looking clean a lot of good content coming for you guys starting right here uh in our first segment of the night headline hijinks <laughs> all right headline hijinks where we break down the news in a lighter fashion mike i want to go to you first with your headline man who was a winner or loser from this 2023 NFL draft, please? My headline is, uh, it feels a little um, on the nose, a bit obvious maybe, but my headline is Algier sheds tear, considers new career. I mean, he's got a, he's got a, I mean, I'm, he's probably happy as a competitor and an athlete that like the team is going to be a lot better, but like a part of him has got to be like, why has it got to be in my, my position? Like, I thought I had a pretty good year, and he did. I actually, I actually feel like this may be worse for Patterson, uh, just because oh, yes. Algier may is probably still like the bulldozer, like on the short yardage and in the goal line, but like catching passes and like playing all over the field, that was sort of Cord Cordero's game, and like now that this new guy is super talented, so it's probably I don't even know if he'll. I mean, I imagine they'll keep him, but they might not. But anyway, Algier sheds tear, considers new career. I mean, how would you feel if you were this guy and you just did have a pretty good first rookie season? What, Scott? Was it a thousand yards? It was pretty close, right? He was. If he had, if he had had the production early in the season that he got eventually, he would have been a thousand yarder for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like it didn't come to fruition sometimes in fantasy, and now it never will. But. I think a lot of people knew coming into this, you had to move him before if you were playing in a dynasty league and for redraft Tyler Algiers out of the picture, unless you want to handcuff any thoughts on the, the Atlanta backfield here, Scott. Yeah. I mean, it's just a continuation of the cautionary tale with day three running backs. Um, the hit rate isn't very high for them to begin with. Some do, you know, you've got your Elijah Mitchell's, your Tyler Algiers, Isaiah Pacheco's certainly Alfred Morris farther back. Um, but because of that low cost for the uh, for the team, they have no issue. And I mean, this is kind of a worst case scenario. One of the best running backs since Saquon Barkley joining the team. <laughs> yeah. But in general, you're right. It is. It is especially. In, I mean, in dynasty, really, is what we're talking about. Um, you know, you might think about cashing in after after a big rookie year from a day three running back. To me, one of the hilarious things also with Bijan going to Atlanta at eight was people like three weeks ago being like, man, maybe Dallas, maybe like some team. Right. Yeah. It's like, are yes. you insane? Like, that's just never going to give a, I want to give an IBT shout out to our boy Hoovtube who stood. There he is right there. Hey he stood firm. Um, yeah. Yes, he exactly. did. He did. He stood as firm as I've ever seen anybody stand on a call like that. Um, he, you know, he, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't the yeah. hottest, you know, 
call that was as hot as the. It sun. was seven to one. He got it seven to one at one point. It was great. So props to Hoove for sticking yeah. with that. He never backed down. Yeah. Do you think Philadelphia takes him at ten if he's there? I, I mean, think they, I think I I was hoping I had money that they did and it he moved up to nine, right? Yes, they took the bear spot. Yes, correct. And then again, real quick, our mock draft that Jalen Carter I had going at nine. Yes, but I mean, so we ended up going in the same spot just to a different team. So kudos, kudos to me. I guess. Well, and just like all the mock drafts, the Seahawks took Devin Witherspoon. Right, right, yeah. Although I mean, best corner on the board. I'm I mean, good. yeah, it was either him or I mean. The real gift was the Patriots getting Gonzalez 12 picks later. That's crazy that he lasted that. I mean, another cornerback went before Gonzalez, yeah. right? Like that's Forbes should not yeah. have happened. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Good to see Albert in the chat tonight saying good evening, IBT. Good evening to you, Albert. Mike, gun to the head right now, talking redraft. Where, where would you go? Uh, Bijan at how high are you taking him? He's obviously going to be a first round pick. Are you taking him over? The yes. Are you taking him over the Barclays or McCaffrey's of the world yet? I think he's probably like you got McCaffrey, Eckler, Barkley, and then you got to think about taking him. Like, you know, he's yeah. right there. He's in the top five running backs right now today. Like, you know, and yeah. he should be a guy who like you pass on at third and regret it all season. Like he could be like Saquon was like, wow. You know? Oh, I can remember taking Saquon his rookie year, not be dis being disappointed and Zeke as well. When Zeke was highly touted, I think in about the top five of a redraft and those guys smash and, and not that every situation is the same. Obviously we saw Clyde Edwards, Alaire do, you know, people dirty the last two years, taking him high in drafts, but Bijan's a different type of guy. So I, I agree with you there, Mike. Uh, Scott, I want to go to you, though, with your first headline of the night here. Who's a winner, a loser of the NFL draft in your eyes? All right. So my headline is the Seattle Seahawks have officially changed their name to the Seattle second round running backs. <laughs> um, a bit of a surprising pick, I think, to a lot of people. Um, and I mean, I think throughout the draft, especially with running backs, you know, in the heat of the moment, there was a lot of disappointment in landing spots. Yes. Um, starting, oh, yeah. with the, starting with this one. Um, so, you know, Zach Charbonnet going to the Seahawks pick 52 second round a year after they took Kenneth Walker in the second round. So, I mean, on the surface, immediate impact. Yeah, it hurts both of their fantasy values. But in my opinion, in my opinion, yes, it caps both of their ceilings, but in by no means destroys either of their fantasy value. Agreed. Um, and no one should have been surprised by this pick. Pete Carroll, the Seahawks. I mean, no one should have been surprised by this pick. They've been trying. He does to it to it. us all the time, man. Well, they've been going for this one-two punch since they drafted Penny with Chris Carson on the on the roster. They've been going for this one-two punch. It's never worked out with injuries. Um, and I mean, arguably, Zach Charbonnet is a more well-rounded three-down back than Kenneth Walker. Um, Charbonnet was a he was a better receiver in college. He had a he had a better receiving profile. Um, Michigan I, I, State, though. Michigan State is dog shit. They, they, they don't know how to use their players. I'm sorry. They just had another receiver transfer this fair week. Fair enough. So but, I, I, I follow uh, J.J. Zacharyson, late-round quarterback, so I end up kind of sharing some of the things I hear from his podcast and whatnot here because my first priority here is to help you win, not get credit for stuff. So he talks a lot about a stat called success rate, and it's basically how many plays you, you did better than you should have okay. per attempt. 
Kenneth Walker was the lowest of hundred carry or more running backs last year. Really? He was, wow. he was a guy, he was a guy that had the most like zero and negative yard carries of those upper tier backs. He was a guy that he really didn't do much. And then he'd hit a home run. Charbonnet, at least in college, much, much more efficient, more of a grinder, more of a, I just think, I think both are going to be fantasy rele- relevant. Obviously. Yes. It caps Kenneth Walker's ceiling. He's not going to be a true workhorse, but other than, Barkley, CMC, Chubb, maybe that that doesn't exist anymore. So it's it shouldn't be as disappointed as people are making it because the expectation should not be that all these running backs that we love are going to go in and be three down workhorses. So I like it. I think it gives them a great one two punch. They had the luxury of an extra second rounder from the trade. Um, so it didn't cost as much. You know, I mean, personally, I pr- would have preferred they not taking a running back there. Like I'm certainly, not going to say like, yes, certainly. that's exactly what I wanted, but I think it's a little overblown. Um, how, you know, how much fading he's, he's getting because of the landing spot. Mike, I'm going to come back to you. Where, where would you be taking knowing what Scott just told you about Kenneth Walker, this situation, where would you be comfortable at taking him in a redraft right before this? He was going just about uh, end of the second round. So the hype was getting the best of him. Is he now more a fourth or a fifth round pick in your eyes, or would you still pull the trigger, say the third round? I don't know if you'd drop him two full rounds. I mean, I still, I still like him. And I think Scott's right. Like there's so few, this is just the state of, of the 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 league right now it's like you don't you don't it's kind of crazy to go in to the season without two good running backs like there are so few exceptions like i still like walker i like charbonnet uh i think that uh if he's there in round three and i don't have you know if i'm not doing like hero rb and i've already got a guy like i'll definitely look at him uh and i think again it's so it's like Maybe this is fantasy bad, but if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, like this is great. Like them getting JSN and then Charbonnet, yeah, like, yeah. that's a really good one. Met- yeah. yeah, you know, that's a really good offense. Now you got to be a little worried. Like, you know, if you're in there, if you're in the NFC West and you're not a Seattle Seahawks fan, like, I mean, nowadays, nowadays, the like the crowded backfield that you need to worry about is one where a running back comes into a situation with two guys. Right. It used to be right. one. Now it's two. And the Seahawks have nothing behind those two. Yeah, I mean, exactly. No disrespect to DJ Dallas. A lot of production. But... And I think Walker, and I think that it's like it's over, like if one of them is phenomenal, like if Walker starts and has a phenomenal few games, they're gonna be like, you know what, you're the bell cow, and Charbonnet's our great young rookie who's gonna spell you. And like he's you know, he'll come in at the goal line uh, every once in a while. But like if you're playing like a young Austin Eckler, like they're going to use you like a young Austin Eckler, like I, I think. So like it, it, all Walker has to do is be really good and like he'll get that like 65, 70% like uh, carry share and, and touch share. Well, I, I like a, a point that I heard about this and this applies to JSN too, is these are both Charbonnet and, and JSN, in my opinion, are both players that could be not necessarily their rookie year, they could be the number one at that position on their respective team. JSN can be a wide receiver one on a team. Charbonnet can absolutely be a writing back one on a team. But they're going to a place where they don't have to do that right away. Which is so, great, I mean, just yeah. The, the future for those two, I think, and just this offense in general, we'll see what they do at quarterback in a few years. Right. I was so glad they didn't jump on a quarter, one of the other quarterbacks. I, I agree. Praying. Mike, Mike wanted to see it. Mike said, is ready. <laughs> you might have seen some tweets. 
it's so crazy. Says, I mean, uh, like in the week, like the last two weeks, everyone was like, oh, Levis, Levis, Levis. And like, oh, Stroud, Stroud. And it's like, yeah. that did not happen no. at all. Like that is not what reality then told us was was up. You know, so that's uh, the quarterback is the hardest, the hardest position to sort of figure. And and speaking of that quarterback position, as we kind of tie tie a bow here on the Seattle Seahawks, someone who should be discussed in redraft circles, in best ball circles, is Geno Smith. He is back in the quarterback one conversation. Guy was QB five, a massive value for wow. people last season, and now he gets a good pass catching running back. He gets a number three wide receiver that isn't Dwayne Eskridge and some of these scrappier guys in the league. He, he has a legit core. Like, is there a better one, two, three wide receiver core in the league than the Seattle Seahawks? Cause I, I I'm struggling to find it boys. The Bengals. Okay. 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 Fair. Yeah. Fair. I'll, I'll take the Bengals, but okay. How about a, how about a one, two running backs, three, four, five receivers <laughs> group in the league. It's uh, Bengals are pretty good still. They got chase. My guy, chase Brown. We'll talk about him later. Right. I, so uh, Jones, let's go ahead. I'm going to move into my first headline of the night, and this is going to be a loser. And I'm going to go with Kadarius Baloney and Marquise Valdez shit his pantling managers need to worry. <laughs> Rashi Rice is in town, baby. And listen, if, if you've listened to this show long enough, guys, you know that MVS, I love the story. I don't love him for fantasy football. Great guy. Great. Like I, I, I've learned a lot about this man. I really respect him as a player. Um, but for fantasy, he's just not the real deal guys. Like we, we saw it all last season. He went for over a hundred yards in the AFC championship game. And then what's he doing in the Super Bowl? Donut after donut. Um, never better than a wide receiver five for him. The guy's a hammer or a ghost one way or the other. And Kadarius Tony, like Scott, you put me on Tony last year a little bit before the season. I wasn't able to get on him because his price is so high, but like, I like the talent, but the guys missed 45% of his regular mm-hmm. season games. Like that's, that's what he has to compete with here. And Sky Moore, who's going to be out of the slot, but Rashi Rice is a guy who plays on the outside. He's 6'2", 203. He's speedy. He's got good ball skills. Uh, and while it doesn't always translate to college, this is a guy who is still third in the nation in receiving yards, played in the All-American Conference at SMU, smaller school. But uh, I like Rice here, Scott. I think I'm going to be targeting him in like the eighth, ninth, tenth round possibly of redrafts and uh, definitely in some second, third rounds of uh, dynasty rookies as well. Only only Seth could make MVS's name longer <laughs> than it actually is. It kills spreadsheets. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I mean, there were four four wide receivers taken in the second round, and in my opinion, three of them went higher than anybody thought they were going to with Rice, Mingo, and Jaden Reed. Um, so, I mean, that that tells a story right there. You know, I mean, draft capital is not everything. Uh, there are obviously second rounders. Vilas, was Vilas Jones second or third? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Too high either way. I'll either way. That. Obviously, just because they're day one or day two doesn't guarantee they're going to hit. But him going him going this early in the draft, it does tell a story. It tells a story that, you know, um, that Kansas City, they like him. And I he mean, can play wait. X. He can play the number one wide receiver position better than we've I think been, anyone you know, else been, on this team. It's been a carrot dangling in front of us. Uh, without, you know, other than Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, just who's going to be that receiver that comes in with Patrick Mahomes and wins us our fantasy leagues. Not saying it's going to be Rice, but I do like Rice. I liked him. There was, he had plenty of buzz leading up to the draft and he went, he went earlier than the 
You know, I think what the the, the, the the fifth wide receiver off the board, I believe I'll have to ch check out my database here, but seven. Uh, seven. okay. Okay. I mean, I, I like it a lot. Mike, would you be taking rice after what we've kind of told you here? Or would you still go back to one of those veterans, Kadarius, Tony, MVS, or is it just an avoid the, the chiefs receivers still for you? It's a mostly avoid and definitely not MVS. I still <laughs> think Tony, like I'm still on that, on that, that train you like, want to get hurt again you want to get hurt again i can like see they, it in they, your eyes they shed hardman and they got rid of juju so there's room still like like you said rice is a different he's a big guy he's going to be playing sort of like a different he's going to be running different routes and like he i i still i like i would I, if i'm going to take kc receivers which i generally don't since yeah. Bill left but uh i would take i'm surprised you would take rice over tony it's just the injuries. If I could guarantee 16 games for Kadarius right. Tony, I would. It's just 45% of games right. in two years. I guess years by mid August, we'll know, like, oh, they're saying he's in the best I'm shape. Of his life. Oh, Kadarius Tony's in the best shape of his life. It's like, oh, great. Today he's yeah. going to get injured like we yeah. want. Um, but, like, if I hear, I, you just want him to, like, get the full run of the preseason and working with yes. the homes and, like, you know, goddamn, his. Quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Like, <laughs> right, right. He two down on a guy who has the best QB in the league, throwing slinging the ball to him. So, like, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I definitely am out on MVS and every other receiver that isn't Tony or Rice, the rookie. Okay, yeah, I'm curious to see where their uh, keeper, where their ADPs are in August. Where these two, uh, not sorry, the two relevant people here. Uh, Tony, and Tony and Rice. Uh, my guess is that Rice will be higher just because yeah. everyone loves the new toy. Everyone loves the new thing. Well, and the, the thing about the thing about Tony is, I mean, I might be willing to get hurt again if it's barely right. costs anything. Be but you know they'll, what I mean? Show, like, like he's kind of gotten to the. They'll show Rice make like one like one handed catch. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. A, oh. in a preseason like six on six. I'm and, that like, sucker. A, I'm not sucker. In a hoodie, in a hoodie sweatshirt with ADP rap music on, on underdog. So like. Yeah, I'm yeah. I bet he'll be higher than Tony. So Tony will be the bargain. Tony before this was going 90th overall in those underdog leagues, uh, 40th wide receiver off the board. So about an eighth, ninth round guy probably drops a round or two at this. And I think Rice will probably be right in that area as well. Um, some action in the chat right now. Royal Slade, he's happy that I am a Chase Brown guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll support our Canadian friends up Me there. Too. We got, got a couple in the, in, in the chat. Uh, and then Dave's saying he will not be able to stop himself from saying Kadarius Baloney. Uh, a little, little more applaud for the caption there. And oh, then uh, Hoove just pointing out that this sounds like the end of the road for Moore and Ross. I, I don't think we can give up on Sky Moore, but I, I don't know. I, I don't it's think not, it's not great for Sky Moore. No, I'm not giving up yet, but it is not great for. Yeah, him. and I I don't think we saw anything from Ross in his rookie season. Obviously, he, he has some health related issues. He's still working out too. So yeah, I wouldn't be holding on to them. Um, let's go back to you, Scott, for your next headline here. Who's a winner, or a loser from the draft? Before I do that, I'm also going to steal your caption and start calling all my pants pantlings. <laughs> there you go. Um, my next one is a little bit more. It's not necessarily directed at an individual player, but the the hijinksy headline is. Rock, paper, scissors, draft capital, landing spot. Draft capital beats landing spot. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is, again, I already mentioned it, but I think people get a little too hyper-focused. And I mean, there is a little bit of a nuanced difference between redraft and dynasty in what I'm about to say. Um, redraft, you don't have as much time uh, for things to develop, right? 
Um, but, you know, but in redraft, if you're looking ahead, I mean, you know, the rookies hitting is pretty rare, relatively speaking. So landing spot doesn't necessarily play into that too much. If you look at the, if you look at the history of it, so you're, you're maybe looking a few years down the road anyway, but there was just so much, and I was included in this, in the head ringing about the landing spots for some of, especially some of the running backs, like I said, like Izzy uh, Abaconda to the Jets seemed at first just horrible. There really only there really only seemed to be a couple of good landing spots, and that was Bijan Gibbs. Now that Swift is gone, right? Um, the best landing spot, in my opinion, to one of my favorite running backs in this draft, uh, Ro- Dolphins. Oh, okay, in the chain, Roshan. Um, I think Roshan's pretty good up in Chicago, but Roshan's got a pretty good spot. He fell to day three, so that hurts also, a little. Not bit, in but... the draft, but via the draft, Swift. That, he ended up in a really good landing spot, I think. He's in a better spot, but I mean, my my point is, if you looked at if you looked at the landing spots that were possible, forget just the individual things that were happening during the draft. There were not very many to begin with, like we just talked about, where you've got a guy coming. Even Bijan is going somewhere where he had. I mean, Algier is not going to threaten his fantasy value, but even even there, if it wasn't a Bijan level person, you'd be like, well, they got Algier. You know, even, you know, so, I mean, pretty much every landing spot, again, other than Miami, you were going to deal with this. So I just, I believe in the talent, especially day one and day two, day one and day two folks. And again, I'm kind of shifting more into dynasty here. Um, but, you know, like Tank Bigsby, for instance, he, he, he got a lot of buzz. And, and the first thought is, oh, he went to the Jaguars. They've got Travis Etienne. So there goes his value. Well, look at who's behind Etienne. No offense, Herms, but they do have they have Michael Hasty and Dearness Johnson. That's no threat <laughs> to anybody's fantasy values. So I think Bigsby paired with ETN is a great combination with what both of those with what both of those players do. So you know, and Bigsby went where did he go? He went uh, third round, third, third round. round. So yeah. again, third to fourth round has been shown to be the cliff as far as you know having success in your first three years. Did a lot of research on that in the last few weeks. So especially with running backs, again, that draft capital it, it is a lot more important. Than so the will you always favor the guy who got better draft capital? Even like, are we, you just talked about Chase Brown and very good rookie. He's one of my favorite talents, but he did get day three draft capital in dynasty. Are you taking these other guys ahead of him? The, the Johnsons of the, or like uh, the, Oh man, Kendra Miller, you know, the, the guys who got the day two draft capital who maybe don't have as sexy point, as a profile. At this point, you know, uh, probably. I mean, I don't Because I'm not. Because I'm not. I, I'm not. I, I, I like the landing spots. Here and say that draft capital is the only thing. So you don't need to do any analysis. Just pick the higher draft capital. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But I mean, the difference between a fifth rounder and a third rounder is pretty significant. I'm big on Chase Brown. I think the Bengals was a great and very sneaky landing spot for him, not for the first three games of 2023, but more long-term with the future of Joe Mixon there and his skill set. I don't care if he didn't pass block well in college. That's something that can be taught. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's something I'm going to be digging into a lot between now and August is, you know, some of these, some of these day three guys like the Izzy's like, um, uh, who else? Who else went day three? Uh, Chase Brown, Sean Tucker, um, undrafted. Those type of guys. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be checking because it, it, it is kind of a dance. If somebody went in the fifth round and has an ideal landing spot, somebody went in the third or second round and doesn't. Who's better? 
but, but that's that's what I'm going to be looking at. Okay. That's what my plan is to research a lot between now, now that we have all the landing spots. Mike, what do you think about the human element of this as well? Like, do you think there is something to these day three guys like feeling a little jaded and getting pissed off and just like maybe being an absolute yeah. stud because because right. there is the human side of it as well? Well, I was going to say, I thought that the, the commanders would have been a great landing spot. Like they really they don't have any anything at running back and they need it. And they I don't even know. <laughs> you guys can tell me. They took a guy, but they didn't. They waited to the sixth round, so he was a day three guy, Chris Rodriguez. I like I don't, him. Is he is he anything? Is like I don't even know because I don't watch enough college to have like that level of. Uh, Chris uh, Rodriguez is a sneaky one for me. He's a kind of right. a deep sleeper. Like, he's for got me. a good landing spot, if nothing else. He could he, mix I it up. He'll mix it up. I think in the backfield for sure. I looked. I, w- I was originally going to talk about Chris Rodriguez on this show, but I, I, I chose somebody else for later. But, you know, it, um, God, how do you say his name? I'm going to get it right. Is he at Abanaconda? You know, he received a lot of a lot of buzz as well. It was a little disappointing he went in the fifth, but he's he's a big guy. He's a guy right. that could handle a three-down workload. He's much he more the depth, Not great. Um, Chris Rodriguez, across a lot of the advanced metrics, you know, like rush share, rushing yards per team attempt, all those types of statistics is right there with Izzy. They're like identical and pretty much identical size. So Chris Rodriguez is a name I'm keeping an eye on for a potential late round dart taxi squad guy. Interesting. And I think that, I mean, I don't even understand, like for me in redraft, it's, it's one and done. So like it's, it's, it's all about the landing spot. I mean, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Dynasty leagues, but like, yeah, I don't even – I just think about, like, what's going to happen. I mean, who, this is going to be so obvious. I think about what's going to happen this year, like, you know, and what what's likely. So, like, yeah, someone is like, oh, this guy, he's – he's this is going to be great. He's going to be groomed. He's, I Like, I can't – this is not useful to me in redraft. But I I know yeah, – I understand your point is more to – to uh, Well, but I, and I mean, some of these running backs we're talking about, these late, later running backs, are going to be free or waiver wire guys in redraft anyway. So it's more about looking at looking at what their potential path is. You know, like Izzy with the Jets. I was at first like, this is the most horrible landing spot ever. And then once again, our friend Hoove talked to me. He's like, hey, Scott, remember, Brees Hall, massive injury, supposed to be healthy by week one. But right. Well, a great the, the guy that would likely the guy that would likely ease that load into the season is going to be Izzy, not Michael Carter. Right. Well, a great example that comes to mind of like the, the shifting tides in the NFL and like how like things can move very quickly and like if a guy's got talent Camara he was drafted to the Saints and like Ingram was in his prime and yeah. they had Peterson who nobody knew at that point that he was already shot he was done so yeah. like on draft day and on the NFL draft day I was like oh wow that's not he's gonna be shelved away for a while and then in even in fantasy drafts like he was, he was so available and then was astounded. Yeah. They cut Peterson like a, a, a few days before the season. And then like, he was the number two and like, he was great. And it was like, wow, that was, I think that took a lot of people by surprise. And it's like, well, yeah, with, you can well, overcome. The thing too is like, you know, Kamara and Mark Ingram and then, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Not that long ago, those seemed like, oh, these crazy anomalies. I could start both the guys on the same team. How crazy. Right. That's becoming a lot more normal now. And it's not, it's not just solely two down guy and pass catcher. It's not, it's not right. that cut and dry these days. That's why, again, some of these landing spots seem bad, but they're not. Right. 
So preaching a little bit of patience here, gentlemen, I appreciate it because uh, there were definitely some of these like Izzy, man. I was I was bummed out he went to the Jets, but uh, I appreciate the analysis there from both of you. Let's go ahead and move forward here to another running back that I'm preaching a little bit of patience with as well, and that's with my headline, Pittsburgh Sandwich. Najee Harris to return to RB1 form behind Broderick Jones plus Darnell Washington. And before we get into this, have you guys, have either of you had or heard of a Pittsburgh sandwich? That's just how they say sandwich, right? I mean, yeah. So it, it's kind of a specialty like thing, yins, right? Well, well, kind of, kind of. It's actually like a genre of sandwich where they put the French fries and coleslaw right on the sandwich. Okay. So, so you guys are it, taking credit for that? Like, it, oh yeah wait, yeah. wait. you're oh, telling me that's I mean, not a Pittsburgh. It. i mean i gotta go and have a, a an official pittsburgh sandwich now because that's is, uh, that's is a that not a pittsburgh thing have you had that elsewhere <laughs> i mean i know that like yeah like all like uh all the euros in oh really in europe have, i feel uh, like it put the that's, fries right in there it's a thing but like, I'm, high I'm school. Not away from it. i just want to go and, and have it now thanks for the tip yeah absolutely uh, i feel like it I feel like at some point in high school, I experimented with that type of sandwich at some point, you know, after smoking only cigarettes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I Yeah, I absolutely agree. Just check it out. Also, it delicious. P- Pittsburgh steak salads, fries on your steak salad. That was also that's a Western Pennsylvania thing. Just putting you on to that if you haven't tried it yet. Um, but going back to Najee Harris and the Steelers here. Listen, I know we want to get excited about Darnell Washington, and obviously there are some injury issues that led to him falling so far in the draft. Um, but they're pairing him with uh, – I-, I thought it was going to be Darnell Wright, but the Bears ended up getting Darnell Wright. Um, so it was that end up being Broderick Jones. Still could be a possible generational tackle for the Steelers here. 6'5", 311 pounds. Dude is a weapon out there. Can seal the edge. And uh, he-, he blocked right next to Darnell Washington at Georgia last season and was able to make a lot of lanes for average running backs like Kenny McIntosh. So I just think this is like, what's been the one issue with Najee Harris his entire career? Efficiency. Yeah, the line not blocking, and he he can never average over four yards per carry. RB3 is a rookie because he got so many dump-offs from Big Ben, regressed to RB14 last season. This puts Najee Harris back in that RB1 conversation for me. Still low-end. But now I think I don't mind drafting him. Like he's going in the mid to late third rounds in redrafts. And to me, that's a value. I, I'll move him up the board a little bit right now at that price because I think it's going to get better in Pittsburgh when you have Darnell Washington, who might c- even convert to tackle, they're saying, playing right next he's to Broderick huge. Jones. He's yeah. Massive. He's probably, he had to be the biggest tight end in the draft. Like that guy is gigantic. I, well, Najee, Najee is like, if he ends up staying at that ADP, he's like the perfect guy I would target in the third round after either going receiver, tight end, receiver, receiver. Yes. Because, and I mean, even if he ends up as RB14 in the third round, but what you want, right. if, 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 you, if you wait a few rounds on running back and redraft, then you want the guy at least that's a bell cow. And he's one of the last remaining bell cows in the league. I mean, he's a no-brainer at that. Like you said, if you've gone wide receiver, wide receiver. I mean, he because he's... he he started to look good at the end of the year. And like, he had this like serious problem with his foot and like, it looked like he was on the mend looking good. He was, he started, to, he's a volume monster. Uh, the team was bad and he was still putting up decent numbers at the end of the year. Like I, I, I like him, I think going forward this year, like 
if like everyone else is coming off the board and he's just going to be sitting there, like, yeah, like that's, that's a strong buy. I think. Well, Roderick right? Jones was, a, he was a good get in the teens. In yeah. The oh that yeah. Was a, that was a good get for them. Absolutely. And like, let's not act like I love Kenny Pickett. I'm a big Kenny Pickett guy, obviously, but like it's Deontay Johnson, it's George Pickens, it's a couple tight ends, and it's Allen Robinson or what's left of him. Like it's not going to be a dynamic receiving core, in my opinion. It's an average receiving core. So, uh, Najee Harris putting all, I'm putting I mean, him on my table, draft list right now. The table is set for him to have a hundred plus targets again. Like, uh, yes. why not? Like, what? What? Where else is Pickett going to go? Like, I, I just think. And then the, right, like the line is improved. Like. Yeah, he's a uh, he's definitely a candidate for a bounce back of the well, year. Well, speaking of speaking of Steelers who might go a little later than you'd think and become a value, uh, Deontay Johnson. If he fa- if he falls too much, I mean, zero touchdowns ain't happening again. I rode so. that train. I kept betting every week. I would put a little bit of juice down on an anytime touchdown for Deontay Johnson. I'd say he's got to catch touchdown. I this just week. I just no. think Kenny Pickett Kenny Pickett in his second year. You know, with a with a full off season as part of the team under his belt, improved offensive line. Obviously, um, I just think it's going to be an improvement for all the offensive weapons on that team. Okay, not necessarily to like Big Ben times, right? But I just think I think people are going to fade Deontay so hard that he's going to be a value. He's okay. still the team's wide. He's still the team's wide receiver one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. There is some upside there. Um, also a little bit of downside. We got DD in the chat saying hello, hello, and happy oh, belated birthday, Seth. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, 25 years old as of yesterday. So uh, out of the Jeff Gordon year, uh, you, you know what they say, though. It all goes downhill. Nothing fun happens after 25. Um, I think that's a Taylor Swift lyric, actually. Um, Rich here in the in the chat saying, I cannot wait for the Najee bounce back this season. Hey, me, Mike, and uh, Scott, we're gonna get hurt alongside with you if he does does not deliver there. Um, I just want to round round out this discussion with the man on the thumbnail quickly uh, with my final headline of the night here. F one fifty fifty chance Malik Willis's starting career is over. This is a play on a Morgan Wallen song. They're in Nashville. I like country music. Uh, th- that was kind of the, the play here, but realistically like i i came out and i defended malik willis a couple weeks ago because like how could you judge him last season when he's thrown to the ghost of robert woods in a walker an out of shape rookie and he has an alleged booze bag calling his plays like guy gets a dui right off the plane like i don't know how that works honestly like not trying to take any shots but like how can you judge malik willis but yet again, he still did not throw a touchdown in three starts. Like it was pretty bad at the same time. Right. Um, but I, you know, it doesn't matter what I think about Malik Willis. We we know now what the Titans think. They move up. They get Will Levis at uh, pick thirty three overall. Mike, does this close the door for you on Malik Willis as a starter in the NFL? I mean, definitely for now, unless there's a. And here's how I judged him: I watched him play NFL football during the regular season. Guy <laughs> is nowhere near ready. Like he may be, or like raw and like have the stuff, but mm-hmm. he is just not ready for prime time, and he wasn't. So, I mean, this doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think that like Levis is a better, much better prospect. I mean, that goes without saying. And like, I mean, but Willis, I, he may he hang around and like pick up the skill set and like get better and less. He looked nervous. He just looked, 
he, you know, he fumbled a lot and he, you know, he just was careless with the ball. And yeah, I just, he may settle in, but he's, he's not looking good right now. And he's definitely not going to be on the Tennessee Titans very much longer. Scott, would you drop him in all dynasty formats, super flex one QB? Are you still hanging on a little bit of hope? Maybe in super flex one QB yeah, move? for sure. For okay. sure. One QB. Uh, super flex. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to let go, but I mean, I mean, you could kind of see this coming as soon as his name was called in the third round instead of the first round last year. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, so the, I mean, the NFL, it tells us stories when it, during the draft and there's plenty of first round quarterbacks who bust that that's, but it doesn't typically go the flip side. There aren't that many re- quarterbacks that make it later and are good. Couple Dak, Obviously there Dak, are examples. Dak Brady, Prescott, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, uh, you know, there are, there are definitely examples, but for the most part, Purdy. once you get Purdy, past the yes. second round quarterbacks, you know, it, it just doesn't usually work out. So, I mean, I think Malik Willis is going to be a backup if he's, you know, if he stays in the league, I think that's what he's going to be. Um, he's one of those guys. If I had him on my, if I drafted him last year in dynasty, I really wish I had put him on my taxi spot <laughs> and just left him there, <laughs> but <laughs> probably not the case. So, um, I mean, fully, fully out and redraft. Dynasty Superflex, if I I mean, we're at that time of year where drafts are coming and commissioners are like, dude, if you're five players over the limit, you gotta get rid of some people. I so, mean, they still have Tannehill, right? So like Levis isn't is he he's yeah, no, yeah, they still have Tannehill. Like, he's yeah. So ten, ten, Levis will be QB two on week one, we think. Yeah. And and I think the bottom line is whoever is the quarterback, I don't want to touch him because it's still Traylon Burks and Phillips and, and a bunch of uh, Nick Westbrook Akine out there running routes like Chig Zigbo is their best weapon and he's a tight end. So like realistically, I don't want any part of this. Um, so yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree with you there. We got Mike, Mike in the chat saying what's cracking fellas. Good to hear from you, Michael. Thanks for tuning in tonight, man. And we got Didi saying, uh, by the way, I had the biggest crush on Mike. What? I still can't believe you part of the IBT family. Glad to see you back here. Uh, Mike, do you get this a lot when you're in public? Do you get people who say they had a crush on your character? I will say, I will offer that. It's been a long time since my 25th birthday. So (laughs) I don't know if you're into uh, older men, but, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm no spring chicken. That's why this is so nice. It's so, it's very lovely. Absolutely. I, I, I'm i sure back in the day on Blossom, man, I'm sure you're, you're fighting them off with a telephone pole. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's well, let's go with that. Let's say that that's that's what happened. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and round it out here tonight with a little bit of short things. Sleepers of the week. Uh, it's still a little cold on the East Coast right now. We're getting a little like crappy weather right now, but uh, we're bringing a little sunshine summer vibes back to the show. Sleepers of the week. All right, sure thing, sleepers of the week. Some more IBT family members making their way in. Herm celebrating a little Steelers love, saying, Hey, Seth, guess what? The Steelers are winning the division. All right, I like it. I like it. I mean, it's such a hard division. Like, that's just bold. Absolutely. Gotta love it. We got who saying it's all in the stash, baby. It's all in the stash, Mike. I need to bring the stash back, boys. Honestly, I've, I'm getting a little like cold up there. I think I need I wear, to. I wear the stash because it works. I can be I can be both law enforcement or drug dealer. Oh, <laughs> so that's okay. why like, we go with this. 
Although I don't get a lot of calls to play cops, like frankly, I don't know. Doing <laughs> wrong, but I appreciate I, it. Absolutely, absolutely, Scott. I want to go to you here. Uh, sure thing, sleepers, man. We did this segment two years ago. I remember talking post draft. And you nailed that you liked Elijah Mitchell uh, that year, and he ended up being an absolute rocket. So what do you have in store for us? Who's someone that went on either day two, day three, maybe an undrafted free agent guy uh, that we can get excited about, maybe keep an eye on for, for redraft or for dynasty here? So my, my short thing isn't – he actually got really good draft capital, but I still think he's underrated and not being sought after enough, and that's Jaden Reed at Michigan State. Drafted, he was one of, you know, again, four wide receivers went in the second round and three of them went higher than I think anybody expected. And he was one of them. I was shocked how high he went. I was shocked. He went high. He's a guy, again, my, uh, I'm a, I'm a JJ Zacharyson fanboy, admittedly, but um, he's a guy that, that he touted and he was like, he was stoked about that, that draft capital. I mean, it was a little bit crazier that Mingo went before him, but, um, but I, I mean, I like Jaden Reed. Uh, he's his his prospect profile out of college. It's one of those profiles where, if you looked at any individual stat, he's not at the top, but he's top tenish across the board. You know, in a lot of the different sticky metrics that we look at with with college production profiles, and I think this is an ideal landing spot for him. Don't mince my words. Christian Watson is the is the best wide receiver on the Green Bay Packers, but I think Jaden Reed is a better prospect, and we'll see. I think he's better than Romeo Dobbs. Um, and I think he walks into a situation where he could be on the field early and often, you know, the whole two, you know, he's a slot receiver thing gets thrown around a little bit, but you know, his, his slot percentage in college was less than 50. So, I mean, yeah, he plays the slot, but that's not, he's not exclusively in the slot. And I think JSN is going to kibosh all the slot fade, uh, in his career being an 88% slot guy when he was at Ohio state. Um, but no, I think it's a good landing spot. I think he's the type of guy. I mean, Christian Watson, you know, he's a he's a dog. Big play. He's a dog. He's, he's a big play guy. He's a yak guy. He's a guy that could take it to the house. I think Jaden Reed's going to be, and maybe not as much this year, but I think just you know moving forward, I think he's going to be the target guy. I think he's going to be the target hog. I think he's going to be the high receptions guy in this offense. Um, and I think the Packers think that too because they took him at fifty. That's that's not insignificant. Three, three wide receivers, didn't they? They they really. It's almost they, like they took two tight ends. Rogers. They took another one of my favorites in Musgrave. Look at all these guys um, you're not going to get to throw to. I know. It seems spiteful. It does. It Yes, it absolutely does. And the one thing I do want to touch on Jaden Reed quickly is I think you're right. I think he does become a volume wide receiver eventually in this offense. I can't determine whether that will be here in 2023. Jordan Love year one. However, he did just get, get that extension as well, which is kind of just a, a friendlier team option um but the reason we don't know a lot about Jaden Reed and he was a guy who I didn't have high on my radar coming into the draft his quarterback Peyton Thorne is absolutely terrible like dude is dog shit Sean Clifford's dog shit and he got drafted to the Packers somehow um (laughs) I, I don't know how but he did and but basically this guy was so bad that Keon Coleman who he's gonna be a guy we're gonna hold on to that name next year he's going to be one of the top wide receivers either next year if he comes out or the year after he's transferring from michigan state because the quarterback play is so bad and then peyton thorne what does he do the quarterback he's transferring now because he just lost reed and he's losing coleman as well so a little bit of musical chairs are happening with the spartans but bottom line here is like we don't know about this guy because his quarterback play was trash in college so 
Mike, with this being said, do your ears perk up a little bit? Do you have any interest in a redraft, a dart throw on Reed? Or are you staying clear of the Packers outside of Watson here? I mean, I would definitely jump on Watson. I don't know. It's it, I don't know yet because, like I said, they I, they took three. I think they took three wide receivers. Like, there's going to be a lot of competition at camp, and like if he emerges, mm-hmm. I could see that again. So many. We don't know how good Love is. We there's a lot of problems with like taking anyone beyond Watson. I think yes from the Packers. But on the other side of that, they might be like more behind in games than they've been in a while. So like they may be needing to throw the ball a lot. So I didn't even think about that. I, I, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, Tucker craft obviously added there as well. Devonte Wicks. I like him out of Virginia. So that's a good point. You kind of make Mike that and Grant Dubose seventh round guy out of Charlotte. So yeah, three, t- three wide receivers, two oh, tight yeah. ends. Um, it's like an open call. There's competition. There's only two wide receivers on the roster that went in the second round. And they're named Watson and Reed. Hey, so they, hey, they might call you and uh, you and Scott up next here, Mike. What about it? How, would you go to any tryouts? <laughs> Little, uh, what's that movie with the Eagles guy who walks on? Uh, with uh, Mark Wahlberg, what was it Invincible or um, Yes, uh, Invincible? Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I played high school football up till sophomore year, and I was I was a receiver. That was okay. my jam. All right. That was my jam. Hey, maybe we'll form a, a flag football team at the expo this year if someone doesn't mind uh, tearing a, an Achilles or an ACL. I don't know. That'll be shame, though. Because I'm in really good shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you actually hear about that, Mike? Last year, someone actually I at the expo. I saw on Twitter that people were that. Uh, it was Ray GQ, of- man. He tore the most, ACL. The most athletic guy. I think it was Achilles, wasn't it? I think oh, it was yeah. the most yeah, yeah, yeah. The one dude that you walk into the room and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy played college football. Like, that guy's jacked. I wouldn't fight him. Tears his Achilles, like, first like, game. What was the guy, the, the Patriots running back, who tore his leg up at the All-Star game uh, at the Pro Bowl playing, like, on the beach? Robert, he was a Patriots oh. running back. I think he was a, he was the second year. He was young, rookie or second year. How about – does the room know? It was like 15 years ago. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Young, young it's not Corey Dillon, is it? It's not no. Corey Dillon. Okay. No. Okay. That's as far as I go back in Patriots Robert running backs. Or Ro- anyway, yeah. So that would be. Robert Edwards? Yes. Yeah. His career ended. He was playing like on, on the beach in Hawaii. No. Yeah, dude. Blew out his <laughs> knee. And this was before like they could work wonders like magic and like, oh, blow out your knee. You'll be back in a year. Like that's that's a whole thing we should do a segment on one day where us old guys like for the first 25 years of our fantasy football career, it's like, oh, you blew out your knee. You're done. You are done (laughs) in in playing football profession. And now it's not a freaking big deal. That's why we're still I contend older guys are a little gun shy with the ACL guys. We're still not like, is he really going to, I mean, but they all, they all come back. It's amazing. So it's, it is, it's worth, it's worth covering for a, a, a future show. 
I just noted that down here. We're, we're going we're gonna to start working that into a segment here. Uh, so, Mike, you're telling me you, you don't love that Ty J Spears might not have any ACLs. I don't know if you heard that report. Um, Wait, he, again, you, this is where I'm like, I'm, I'm here to listen. Well, well He the, had the, one, right? He had a serious injury. He's had two ACLs. I, I only actually, I'll be honest, and maybe this was being a bad analyst. but Two seems like a lot. Again, I'm just an old. Yes. Who Does he have any legs? Does he have legs? <laughs> He does have legs. I did. I did my rookie review on him, and I did know he tore his ACL in 2021. However, I had no idea that he also tore his ACL in high school as well. So we're getting a report out that he doesn't have an ACL in his one knee, and that's why he fell a little bit. But he's still a day two pick. He he does not even have one anymore. Well, that's what they're. That's the way to go because now he can't tear it. And I've I've seen the fantasy doctors weighing in on Twitter, debating back and forth. Well, he couldn't move like he does if he didn't have ACLs. And then there's the old, the old lineage. Well, Heinz Ward didn't have any ACLs. Do not need ACLs? Are they like a pen? I don't don't know. People are going to start preemptively (laughs) having them removed. This thing is just a burden. Uh, I will say the first, like uh, this Terry Allen, remember him? Washington Redskins mm-hmm. running back. Washington Redskins, <laughs> how long ago it was? Washington Commanders running back. He was like the first guy I remember who was like, oh, he blew out his knee, which is what we used to call it. He, he blew out his knee. He's, he's done. It's like, and, but then he came back and was good. And that was like the first, that had to be 20 years ago. The first guy was like, oh, wow, I guess it's, it's, it's not a death sentence like to your, your career as a running back anymore. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, Super rare back then. We got Herms updating us here. Per Wiki, Wikipedia, right. Robert Edwards really ne- serious. narrowly escaped having his leg amputated from the knee down and was told he may not walk again. Oh, ro- oh my God. It was a very, very serious. I mean, just was- further, epi- further evidence that the Pro Bowl is stupid. They were playing. They were yeah. They were playing on the beach. They were playing in the sand. And what like, could have happened to make him almost get his? Did he get stung by a jellyfish or something? Like the like Napoleon. Remember Napoleon? Was it Napoleon McCallum who Ken Norton Jr. like almost killed on the field? Do you remember that? You guys don't ever watch that footage. Uh, but he also had like a super severe leg injury, and okay. they were like he literally might have lost a leg or passed away. Like if they didn't get him to, to uh, like a hospital right away, like <laughs> there's just been grisly leg injuries. Uh, you know, it's a yeah, it's the game. Different business here. Craig saying some people grow ACL ACLs back like chameleon that, trails. That cannot be true. Yeah, is, <laughs> but it's just some people. It's like rolling your tongue. Just <laughs> few people can do it. <laughs> All right, I'll round us out here quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Oh, I want to be cognizant of everyone's time here. But Sean Tucker, undrafted free agent, signed with the Buccaneers. And this was a guy who – there was a couple of these guys I liked, like Tucker and Chase Brown, who it got to day three, and it's the, the day's going on and on and on. And, like, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. These guys are starting to fall because I do have them in some of my best ball leagues. I have a couple dynasty leagues I've already drafted the rookies for, and I have these guys, and they're falling, and they're falling, and they're falling. However, sometimes when you're going to fall to day three, it's almost better to go undrafted because then you can pick the landing spot that you want. And I think he saw Tampa Bay as a place that has Rashad White, who, man, Rashad White was really good at times last season, but he wasn't like an absolute workhorse. 
Behind him, they have Chase Edmonds, who nobody seems to want a part of anymore. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, which going into year four, it would have happened by now. Vaughn was anything special. So I think there's a good chance Sean Tucker makes this team. I think there's a good chance he sees playing time behind White as well as a change of pace running back here. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on, on this? Tucker, like he's a stiff runner, like not sexy on tape at all. I'm not going to say that I think he's going to be great. I think he'll have a short shelf life. But from a one-year rental, would you throw a dart throw at the possible running I mean, back in to a the Bucs? deep league, I mean, I don't even – I'm not familiar <laughs> – familiar with this gentleman <laughs> too much uh, yeah. beyond literally what you just said about him <laughs> so, uh i don't know syracuse don't guy know. syracuse guy so you know he's educated yeah okay so he's a smart <laughs> fellow like yeah i mean i don't know what uh what i don't have anything to add about this i hope he works out for him like that is <laughs> i will say it is speaking of smarts that's a smart call to go to the buccaneers like that seems like a, a team where you might be able to stick you know hang in there and like get onto the, you know, the field, be one of the 54 that suits up, you know, uh, once in a while, like, and then maybe you make a mark like, yeah. But again, like you're talking about best ball, like this is like round 23, right? Right. Right. Uh, yes. I'm out Scott of my fishbowl. Yes. Right. You're, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like it. And, uh, the, we, we got Dee here in the chat. She's weighing in. She knows this from her time in medical school. She's saying it's possible to not have an ACL and scar tissue will build up after a while and you can have stability. It's just not the same as an ACL stability can provide. So like diet stability. Yeah, well, I, man, this is a medical show. We're, we might have to get a seal of approval after this week. I'll tell you what. And if there's someone in this class who doesn't have an ACL, I think it's Sean Tucker. Dude does not cut. Just runs A to B straight line. Well, and speaking of out. speaking of injuries, I mean that's the obvious reason why he fell undrafted. I mean, without without his medical concerns, he would have easily been drafted. So that's why I, I mean, you know, if if you want to pick winners, incumbent running back winners on teams, Rashad White was definitely one of them. You know, I mean, Sean Tucker has the skill set to potentially take work away from him, but there was a reason you know, a guy with his talent went undrafted. So, I mean, I have no idea what the situation is with his medicals. Um, I agree. It's got to be something. Be and I've looked and I've tried to find something on this guy. And he's been an absolute beast ever since he came to Syracuse. Literally got run his freshman year, won the job right away. So there's got to be it reminds something. Me, it reminds me a little bit of Justin Ross last year, you know? A guy that you're like, this guy's going to get drafted. I know that there's injury concerns, and then he went undrafted. So he didn't go with the combine, I know, because he was sidelined with something as well. But you know that could be anything. So that that's a a situation we're going to continue to monitor, continue to pay attention here. Um, want to thank the IBT family one more time for hanging out. A lot of a lot of fun on the episode from the chat. They brought it tonight, so we appreciate you guys, Thanks, Mike. Dad. Mike, want to thank you as well for joining us tonight, man. Uh, tell us one more time where we can find you and uh, what we can expect from uh, Mike Stoyanov possibly on the horizon. Uh, well, there's uh, right now I'm just enjoying spring and summer, so I don't have anything to report. You know, it's not it's we don't we don't say anything until we have a job, generally speaking. OK, and, OK. Uh, I, shared, uh, I shared with you guys like before the show. But yeah, so not a whole lot going on. I'm looking forward to spring, summer. I'm at, at Mike Stoyanov on Twitter, and that's pretty much where I'm at. 
Awesome. Well, guys, make sure you check out Mike. He's got a lot of good content coming out there over on the Twitter. He's asking asking questions. He's getting uh, weighing in on some different debates over there in the fantasy football landscape. Mike, we appreciate you. We appreciate the IBT family. Scott and I will be back here next week on the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. Until then, guys, keep it in between.